Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. Welcome to part one of the December instalment of our Bait the Hook events. In this episode, Timothy Peters looks at the traditions of Christmas, how the birth of Jesus and the celebrations that surround it have shaped the world we live in. One of the paradoxes of Christmas for us, celebrating Christmas in the Southern Hemisphere, is that a lot of the traditions arise from the Northern Hemisphere, where obviously Christmas is celebrated in winter. And so a lot of the images of Christmas are snow and Christmas trees and lights. But an Australian Christmas, a Southern Hemisphere Christmas, is not winter at all. Celebration of Christmas, we sort of talk about turkey and ham. There's lots of sort of wintry type celebrations. The other thing for us in Australia and in the Southern Hemisphere, is that Christmas is associated with the end of the year. It's the end of the school year. It's the time for holidays. More broadly, it's the end of the academic year for universities. In contrast, Northern Hemisphere, where they do have holidays for Christmas, but it's generally sort of a two-week period. So school breaks for two weeks, and then they're back at school. You might take holidays there, but you're back at work fairly quickly. So it's a different sort of sense of what the Christmas period is. Now, traditions of hot roast dinners, turkey, duck or goose, roasted chestnuts, mulled wine, sleigh rides, snow-encrusted houses, jingle bells are all winter traditions that make actually very little sense for a summer celebration of Christmas. So why is Christmas celebrated in the Northern Hemisphere in winter? And in part, historically, it goes to when Christians started celebrating the birth of Jesus. And in the 2nd and 3rd and 4th centuries, there was an emerging tradition of celebrating the birth of Jesus. Initially, it was actually about celebrating the baptism of Jesus, which gets associated at times with Epiphany. But then there was this practice of celebrating the birth of Jesus. At the same point in time, there were other celebrations going on around the winter solstice, which is around about the 23rd or so of December, or 25th of December, depending on which year and which calendar. So you had these other celebrations going on. Around about the 4th century, it was kind of settled that Christmas would be celebrated on the 25th of December, but that's also the same point in time of the Roman celebration of Sol Invictus, or the celebration of the unconquerable sun. Now, the received historical position is that the Christians and the Christian church were actually going to take over this other holiday and celebrate Christmas. Though there are some that dispute that and say actually it was the Romans that were trying to provide an alternative to the Christian celebration of the birth of Jesus. But there are other non-Christian feasts occurring around this period. In the middle of December there's the Feast of Saturnalia and there were these other festivals occurring. Now I heard on the radio one of my colleagues actually who's a historian talk about this fact that we traditionally recognize that Christmas is a Christian celebration, it's a Christian festival It's a Christian point of remembrance. But there are other feasts going on as well. 
And they wanted to say, well, because there were these other festivals, Christmas time doesn't have to be Christian. And one of the things I want to suggest here is that whilst there might have been other festivals, the celebration of Christmas is something that is significantly Christian. And trying to step outside of that or trying to celebrate Christmas without the Christian aspect actually doesn't work and actually runs into a whole bunch of problems. The other aspect of that is that even if the Christians had taken over another holiday, another feast, another festival, they were celebrating something that happened. They were celebrating the birth of Christ. Now, there's a whole bunch of debates as to the accuracy of the 25th of December, the cosmological significance of that date, whether it actually is the birth of Jesus or not, but the celebration of the birth of Jesus is actually what I want to focus on and the significance of that celebration. Having said that, various aspects of our celebration of Christmas do come from celebrations attached to the winter solstice and to winter, and you only need to walk around the shops and see decorations, gingerbread houses, tinsel, all these things that are essentially winter. Now, some people have asked why our promotional image for tonight is a lizard, a bearded dragon, wearing a Santa hat. Initially, it was because I liked the image, but given I'd gotten a number of questions about it, I had to think about this. And there's actually something quite significant to it. Why did I like the image? And I think what I like about the image is it picks up some of the paradoxes of Christmas themselves. Because you can take a lizard, something as unchristmassy as possible, <laughs> something that's not wintry at all, you'd never find it in any picture of a snowy Christmas, you wouldn't find it out at all in winter, but you place a Santa hat on it, and we immediately associate it with Christmas. Now, I love Christmas, but I struggle with something at Christmas time, which is the fact that the stores have Christmas decorations out for sale and Christmas sections out really early from October, September. I think one year they had them out in August. And again, here a paradox is occurring. That's obviously happening in part for commercial reasons. Presumably the shopkeepers, the retailers, think they can sell more by having Christmas advertised earlier and earlier. And if you're somebody who puts your decorations up really early, at the end of November or beginning of December, or you like to put out massive light displays, having things for sale in October and November makes sense. However, there is a sense that the earlier we put Christmas out, the less we actually enjoy Christmas when we get to it. And some of the retailers do sort of comment on this, that the earlier they start sort of advertising Christmas sales, by the time people get to the end of December, they're kind of over it. They've actually been saturated by all the Christmas advertising. One of the other effects, I think, is a sense that we just have sales all the time. And so bringing Christmas sales earlier and earlier and earlier in Australia is potentially a side effect of the fact that we don't have Thanksgiving and we don't really celebrate Halloween. So if you're in the US, Christmas sales really kind of start after Halloween or they start after Thanksgiving. In Australia, we don't really have those. So bringing the sales earlier gives a reason to sort of advertise. One of the effects of that, I think, is that we almost never have a normal period of trading. In Australia, you have summer sales, you have Australia Day sales, you have back-to-school sales, there's Valentine's sales, there's Easter sales, there's then EFS sales, so happy EFS, who knows what EFS is, end of financial year sale. 
we just constantly have these sales. And the Christmas sales become wrapped up in this, this sort of continuity. Now, one of the scholars that I draw upon in my academic work is the Italian philosopher Giorgio Agamben. And he wrote a number of years ago a polemical piece drawing on the work of the Jewish critical theorist Walter Benjamin titled Capitalism as a Religion. This situates within a particular form of sociology that looks at the way Protestant Christianity potentially influenced the emergence of particular forms of economic order, including capitalism. Now, what I find interesting in this piece, though, about the religion of capitalism, is they describe it as something that is permanent and continuous. In it, it becomes impossible to distinguish between work days and holidays. Rather, there is a single, uninterrupted, holy work day in which work coincides with the celebration of the religion of capitalism. That is, there is no sense of difference between days. There's no sense of difference between what happens on a holy day, on a weekend, versus what happens on a weekday. What I see with the significance of Christmas sales becoming earlier and earlier and earlier, with the extension of trading hours, right up to the ability that we have now to purchase almost anything at any point in time online, is this sense of continuity, of permanence, the continuance of capitalism as a religion. And it's not, as we would sometimes see it, that all days become work days, it's the fact that there is a blurring between the workday and the holiday, the workday and the rest day. And there's no distinction between the two of them. Now, from this perspective, it then makes complete sense as to why the shops would want to extend the trading on Christmas as far as possible to make it so that there is a sacred sale, a sense of a sale that has a significance at all points in time. We like to think at times that our modern society has its own forms of problems, its own challenges, its own abominations, but this is not a new feature. If we look at Charles Dickens' famous A Christmas Carol, which was written almost 200 years ago, it presents at one level the hopeful and promising celebration of Christmas, in contrast to Scrooge, the character that the story is about. It was written as trying to reinvigorate the celebration of Christmas, a sense that we need to actually come back to the celebration of Christmas, though it was doing it in a particular way. Scrooge grudgingly provides his clerk, Bob Cratchit, a half a day off for Christmas. And that was not because it was legally mandated, not because it was required, but because it was just custom that businesses would generally provide half a day off for Christmas. Christmas wasn't celebrated necessarily as we sometimes think it was historically. Now, at times, Dickens himself is credited with reinvigorating the celebration of Christmas with a particular humanist sort of bent, but focused on the importance of family and the importance of charity. In this context, how do we contrast this idea of capitalism as a religion with true religious practice? And I think it's important that we understand. In the church calendar, we are not presently in the season of Christmas. Now, despite the fact that the shops have been advertising it for a while, we're not in the season of Christmas. The season of Christmas doesn't start until the evening of Christmas Eve. 
instead of being in the season of Christmas, we're currently in the season of Advent. Advent is a time of reflection, a time of prayer, a time of repentance, a time of waiting. It's not the period of feasting and celebration, of parties and presents, of decorations and indulgence. Rather, it's a point in time of waiting and reflecting upon our lives. Now, that's in contrast to the fact that all the Christmas parties are happening at the moment. My work Christmas party was a week ago. I went to the barber about two weeks ago, and they were having their Christmas party like halfway through November. But we're not actually in that period at this point in time. In addition, the idea of the 12 days of Christmas has become associated with a countdown to Christmas. From around the 14th of December, we have the 12 days of Christmas leading up to Christmas. But again, the 12 days of Christmas in the church calendar the season of Christmas tide is the period from sundown on Christmas through to the Feast of Epiphany, which is on the 6th of January. Different traditions celebrate that slightly differently, and it's always a question of how do you count the 12 days. In the Lutheran and Anglican traditions, it's normally counted from Christmas Day through to the 5th of January, and then Epiphany is celebrated on the 6th of January. Epiphany recognizes the coming of the Magi to adore the Christ child, but it's also the significance of the birth of Christ as a message to the Gentiles. That this is not just about something that happened for the Jews, it happened for everybody. So the season of Christmas in the church calendar is the 12 days following Christmas. It's not the period we're currently in. Now what's interesting is if you count the number of days in the season of Advent... Now, it depends on which year you're in, because the season of Advent starts four Sundays before Christmas, and Christmas is always the 25th. So Advent is between 22 and 28 days long. But the season of Christmas is 12 days long. The season of waiting, the season of reflection, is almost twice as long as the season of feasting. Okay, we're going to imagine something. And what I'd like you to imagine is just a period of quiet. A period where you still go about the daily things you need to do, but there's not a lot on. There's not that much happening. You have additional time in your day to reflect, to pray, to think about life, to have a sense of what God might be saying to you. If you go to church, you still go to church. But the services are quieter services. They're spaces of reflection. And then you have a period of 12 days of activity. 12 days of meeting with family, of food, of fun, of services of excitement, a period of festivity. That's what the church calendar is trying to do. It's trying to give you a sense of space, of pause, of reflection, of expectation before we get to a season of festivity. Often in our commercial season of Christmas, it's the lead up to the big day. And yes, you might do some additional things on Christmas Eve or Boxing Day, but it's often this sort of event. And it can often be tiring. It can often be exhausting. The thought of coming up to it can be tiring and exhausting. But the season of Christmas as 12 days 
means we don't have to do all our celebration in the space of 36 hours. We can do our celebration over an extended period. And not a period that's so much about a lead-up to, but an enjoyment of the period of Christmas. So what is important to recognise is the significance of seasonality. That one of the challenges of our world is it stops us taking seasons. It wants us to do the same thing or similar things continuously and all the time. But seasons are important. And the significance of the church calendar is it breaks up the year into seasons. It breaks up our time into seasons. Okay, to go in a different direction. Who has a sense of what it means to feel Christmassy? We have this phenomena of expecting to feel Christmassy or wanting to feel Christmassy or the sense that Christmas should involve a feeling of Christmassiness. We have a sense of idealism about it. We have a sense that maybe it's associated with kids or it's associated with food, it's associated with carols, but there's this ideal sense of Christmassiness. I need a better word, but this is it. Christmassiness, right, that we expect to feel. But second is that the feeling of Christmassiness is not actually simply associated with the celebrations and paraphernalia themselves. You can actually be doing the things, listening to the Christmas music, you can be doing the things and not necessarily feeling Christmassy, or as Christmassy as you think you should. The significance, I think, of this, the fact that we don't feel Christmassy in certain parts of December, is partly because we haven't actually prepared ourselves for it. Because the ability to feel Christmassy, the ability to celebrate a feast, actually requires a period of fasting. It actually requires a period of reflection. It actually requires something separate from the continuity and the everyday and everything we continue to do. Productivity gurus today talk about the importance to do deep work of unplugging, of blocking off from social media, from the internet, from all these other things that are constantly grabbing for our attention that if you want to do significant work, you have to actually step back from that. Funnily enough, the church calendar actually builds that in. Religion itself builds in these practices because the major feasts in our year are preceded by periods of fasting. They're preceded by periods of space, of reflection, followed by the feast, followed by the celebration. That actually then continues on in a greater fashion than the world suggests. So there are periods of feasting, but they are preceded by periods of fasting, and there are also periods of ordinary time. In the church calendar, you have all these ordinary Sundays, which sounds kind of boring, but actually ordinary time is important, time where we are not engaged in the period of feasting or the period of fasting. But our world wants us to continuously engage in the same thing over and over again. One of the significances of this sense of seasonality is what it means to feast and what it means to fast. What it means to have ordinary time versus other time. I'm quoting here from Giorgio Agamben again, and he talks about the feast as the break from the norm. He says, the feast is not only defined by what is not done, but primarily by the fact that what is done, which in itself is not unlike what one does every day, becomes undone, is rendered inoperative, liberated and suspended from its economy 
from the reasons and aims that define it during the weekdays. And not doing in this sense is only an extreme case of this suspension. So if one eats, it is not done for the sake of being fed. If one gets dressed, it is not done for the sake of being covered up or taking shelter from the cold. If one wakes up, it is not done for the sake of working. If one walks, it is not done for the sake of going someplace. If one speaks, it is not done for the sake of communicating information. If one exchanges objects, it is not done for the sake of selling or buying. In the feast, we do things that are similar to what we do. Who ate dinner tonight? Who's planning to eat dinner on Christmas Day? At one level, we eat dinner. And most of the time we eat dinner because it's important, it's nutritious, it gives us sort of energy, etc., etc. But on Christmas, as part of a feast, when we eat dinner, we're also eating to celebrate. We're doing something we ordinarily do, and we do it differently. It's doing something similar, but for a different reason. But it's also a sense of something is occurring on this day. Something is being celebrated on this day. Now that brings me back to my lizard with a Santa hat. Because in part, the clothing that we associate with Christmas is all winter clothing. We associate with cloaks, with fur-lined winter wear, but the wearing of such things, particularly in Australia, is not done for the purpose of keeping us warm. Because we don't really need to be kept warm on Christmas Day in Australia. When we put them on, they encompass something that is not simply economic, not simply utilitarian, not simply instrumental, but they're used for a festive reason. The Santa hat is not worn for its utilitarian benefit in Australia. It's worn for its festivity. And it transforms us, takes us from a particular context into another context. Stay tuned for part two, coming soon. If you'd like to hear more great messages, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.